0: I feel it in my, in my fingers I feel it in my toes I
1: feel it in my toes, yeah Christmas is all around me all around And me. so the feeling grows So the feeling grows
0: Whenever I get gloomy with the state of the world I think about the arrivals gate at Heathrow Airport General opinions starting to make out that we live in a world of hatred and greed. But I don't see that. Seems to me that love is everywhere. Often it's not particularly
1: dignified or newsworthy, but it's always there. Fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, husbands and wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, old friends.
0: When the planes hit the Twin Towers, as far as I know, none of the phone calls from the people on board were messages
2: of hate or revenge. They were all messages of love. If you look for it, I've got a sneaky feeling you'll find that love actually is all around.
3: Everybody. this is Ed Hoffman and welcome to the Christmas uh, version of uh, the main event. I used that clip from uh, Love Actually in the beginning and I know uh, Jackson Brown's song for America is, uh, he doesn't have exactly the same political views as I do about this country but hey, the words are the words, we're going to reap what we've sown and uh, it's kind of uh, fitting with my general message that we have to start be in america we have to be america we have to teach our kids how to be americans and we need to start thinking like the forefathers did and stop just assuming everything's free or that stop everything's gonna get better if we just wait it won't unless we do something hey anyway uh i got a lot to talk to you about today and uh only an hour to do it in so uh before i go on Let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, President Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. Located here in Southern California, offices all over the place. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll free at 855 640 2020. That's 855 640 2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code. 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone because you're calling from work and you're stealing time from your boss and you don't want to get busted by your neighbor who says, hey, this guy's going online and arranging his uh, refinance of his house. Go to wccloans.com. On your government-mandated 15-minute break, of course, wccloans.com com And uh, click on uh, looking for a loan. Click on apply now. Give me as much information as you want. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back quickly from either myself or one of my talented teammates Eric Marquez, Alex Rojas, Cody Bradbury, Aaron Fredericks, or Randy Johnson. And we will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Whether you want to buy a new house to live in, buy an investment house, buy a vacation home, or if you want to uh, refinance a piece of property you have, or if you want to use that fantastic new tool that everybody's talking about for us, people that are uh, getting up in years uh, called a reverse mortgage. Hey, I don't know exactly how that thing works. I heard some bad things about it. Hey, Hey, Everybody who, who knows how this thing works and qualifies has one. Uh, if you are if you want to be part of that, call me, 855-640-2020 or wccloans.com. If you hear anything you want repeated on the show, you can get the podcast, the repeat of this uh, show on edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the podcast page. You'll hear this. You can uh, get this week's show as well, well as several past shows. You can download them for free. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes where you can uh, – Subscribe for free. Have it automatically download once a week. Follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, and uh, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and be better on social media, and be uh, be less mean. I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and enjoy the Christmas spirit, and not uh and try to have a more positive attitude. And we'll try. You know, it's I'm still me. So hey, uh, before we go into this uh, in the studio. As uh, as I often have my my buddy and co-pilot, Mr. Scott McAfee, owner of Don's Bikes, Scotty.
0: Ed, it's a pleasure to be here in one of the last bastions of free speech that's not been uncensored, Ed. And this Thanks. is like one of our final strongholds here is on the on the radio.
3: I know, and uh, <laughs> and we have uh, we have to uh, take advantage of the of the uh, platform that we have
0: before they take it away, Ed.
3: Exactly. They exactly. lead us away. So let's let's just jump right in. Let's talk about some of the stuff that's going on and we're going to try and have a positive spin. We're going to try and have a we're going to try really hard. Is
0: that going to be one of your resolutions to be nicer on social media? Is that uh, what you're getting at or what?
3: I'm trying. I'm okay. trying to be less uh less toxic on social media because okay. I have a I have a habit of when I see things, when I see things that make me mad, I I blow off steam by going on social media and posting stuff. And there's some you know, Twitter seems to be open to that, but Facebook, you know, no matter what you do, half the people, half the people, cheer you on, and the other half just get turned off. And I'd say, you know what? Apparently, uh, apparently, I don't have, I don't have the same audience on Facebook that I have on Twitter. You don't have the same, because you know, I just, I'm learning, I'm learning that I need to just be a little nicer, a little nicer, or just. Sugarcoat. Yeah, maybe just take a little different approach. So I'm going to try. I'm going to try. No guarantees, but I'm going to try. Okay, so let's talk about what uh, some, some good stuff that happened uh, this week. President Trump has handed a major legislative victory this week uh, with uh, Congress approving a sweeping bipartisan criminal justice reform bill on Thursday after it passed in the Senate on Tuesday. The bill is called the First Step Act. It is designed to address concerns from both sides of the aisle about exploding prison uh, populations, life sentences for violent drug offenses and overall failure of the war on drugs. Details of the first step act. It will give federal judges more leeway when sentencing, when sentencing certain drug offenders and boost prisoner rehab efforts. It would reduce life sentences from to 25 year sentences for many three strikes. Drug offenders. Don't forget the three strikes law was something that was uh, passed by Bill Clinton, not the heartless, evil, racist Republicans. Uh, it contains a provision that allows 2,600 federal prisoners sentenced from crack cocaine offenses before 2010 the opportunity to petition for reduced penalty, because you know we've discovered that crack cocaine is, is is such a such a nice product out there that we should uh, we should uh, reduce those penalties. It incentivizes prisoners to participate in rehab programs by rewarding them with early early releases to home confinement or halfway houses. This offer is not available, not available to convicted people convicted of violent gun crimes, sex crimes involving children or high-level heroin or fentanyl dealing. That's what we're that's what we're told by First step. The bipartisan sponsors of the bill gave a press conference Wednesday. Here's the here's the uh, surprising part. The bipartisan sponsors of the bill gave a press conference Wednesday. Republicans Chuck Grassley, Mike Lee, Lindsey Graham, and Tim Scott, and on the and on the Democrat side, Dick Durbin of Illinois, who's a moron, uh, followed by the. Oh wait, I'm trying to be. More, I thought uh, you were
0: being nice, Ed. I'm being nice. Okay, well, so, just save that for January.
3: All right, so okay, so get it all so out we'll now. We'll still get it out today. Okay, Dick Durbin of Illinois, followed by this might hurt but let's give credit where credit is due. Cory Booker of New Jersey, uh, also affectionately known as Cory Booker. Can you Uh, say that on the air? I don't don't, know if
0: Salem allows that word.
3: I I don't know. Uh, We did.
0: We'll have Dan check that.
3: Okay, so Senator Durbin explained he was unsuccessful in getting any traction for this bill for years. That is until the election of Donald Trump.
4: Then came a breakthrough I never expect. The election of Donald Trump as president. What does that have to do with this? He brought his son-in-law to town. And his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, has a passion for prison reform because of a family experience. And he wasted no time getting involved and engaged in the effort. We worked with him throughout this in whole endeavor. The net result of it last night is nothing short of an historic vote uh, that really changes our outlook on our system of justice for the first time in decades.
3: Well, I don't know if, uh, I'm not sure if it's a a passion for prison reform or if it's just the Trump, the Trump whole administration is kind of about getting things done.
0: Well, they got this done. That's for sure. Why, why am I just not excited about this? I mean, are you really, uh, no, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not
3: as excited about this as benefits we can do for people that don't break the law. But, um, I think it's, I think it's, uh, the fact that now there's now the Democrats are are praising Trump and his son-in-law, who wasn't it? Uh, weren't the Democrats kind of uh, insulting him? What are you bringing him into the administration for? What experience does he have? What does he bring to the table? How do we uh, we don't get to uh, uh,
0: put him through a, a, a hearing to approve him? Well, they'll go back to hating Jared Kirshner next week for sure, especially as we as we go into the wall, which is really a hell of a lot more important to people like me than prison reform. Uh, so, you know, look, and I'm not going to claim that I've read this law. I haven't. It just seems like in terms of priorities, if you're going to get something done before the end of the year, uh, I, I have a different set of priorities. I mean, this is this is not high on the list. When I, when I look at money going into rehab, I think a lot of that's wasted. It, this is a difficult question. When you're talking drug addicts or people that are drug peddlers, uh, letting them out early. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm just—I'm not super excited, Ed.
3: Nah, I'm not super excited either, but yeah. we're taking this chronologically like we always do. Mm-hmm. What happens at the beginning of the week is different yep. than the end of the week. Sure. But also, in keeping with the, the topic of crime justice reform, I brought brought on a guest who has firsthand experience with President Trump making a difference on this issue. Richard Archer is a friend of mine who uh, whose own wife was unfairly imprisoned then released once President Trump got involved. Uh, he has he has to share his incredible story with us today he's here to, to share his incredible story with us today Richard welcome to the main event thank you it's pull the microphone a little closer oh, so you're right louder okay hey, so so give us a big uh, thing give right us, there <laughs> give us a, give us some background about your wife Barbara's story she worked for a CPA uh, in the Inland Empire who uh, committed massive tax fraud, tax fraud scheme but unlike her employer your wife uh was was a, was a was a was an innocent participant.
4: Well, yeah, uh, my my wife was very good friends with this particular woman for a number of years, and trusted her implicitly. And uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, it uh, kind of bit her in the rear end later on.
3: So she took a job. She took a job with this lady who offered her job. Now your wife is is disabled, and uh, and she's she needed a job, and her friend. Her friend offered her a job, and apparently that's by design. She hired people that didn't understand taxes, just could uh, be uh, that could handle accounting, accounting type office jobs.
4: Right. Well, in my wife's case, well, she's very, very uh, affable, and uh, people immediately uh, uh, like
3: her. So that I think that was a uh, definitely a bonus as far as hiring her. And that's probably a bonus for you, to be married to her. Well, absolutely. If people like your wife. That's why. Uh, that's why I'm got a bonus when I'm married, Don. Because people just generally just don't think that much of me, but they say <laughs> Don married him. He must have something good. So, and uh, and we won't we won't even talk about what Maria does for Scott. Um, so, uh, so your wife your wife uh, is visited by the FBI. The FBI asks comes and talks to her and says, Hey, there are some issues going on with this office and asked her what she knows and Yeah, and in in her case she was told flat out that she wasn't a suspect, but it, she could
4: be of major help to them. So my wife invited them into our home and spoke to them for three hours and told her told them everything that she knew.
3: And innocently not realizing that she probably should have been lawyered up and you said you, you said yourself, had you known she was talking to the FBI period, you would have said she had to she needed to Talk to a lawyer first.
4: Right. Well, if anything, I look at Michael Flynn and don't feel so
3: bad. Uh, correct. So, uh, talk about how you know. Talk about how your wife was sentenced and uh, what the you know the how the government treated her. Well,
4: it came down to the fact that we couldn't afford an attorney, so the court appointed attorney to us, uh, and he was not the least bit interested in defending her. He spent the entire time convincing her that somehow or other she was guilty. But because of the fact that she was disabled and also the fact that the probation office had recommended that she get a year of uh, home confinement, uh, arguing the fact that it was uh, $3,000 to keep her home confined a year versus $40,000 to incarcerate her, uh, that the judge would, uh, uh, as a result, uh, give her home confinement. Unfortunately, the judge decided otherwise and gave her 27
3: months uh, of incarceration in a federal prison. And she didn't. Uh, she didn't because she was disabled. Where did she end up?
4: Yeah, well, that was the the biggest factor. Is because of the fact that she was a first time nonviolent uh, offender with uh, absolutely a clean record prior to that, uh, she would have ordinarily been sent up to Victorville at a campus up there where they don't have fences and such. But because she was disabled, there was only one facility in the entire country in fort worth texas and instead of that being a medium uh, rather minimum security it was a medium maximum security facility uh that she was in a, uh, sent to
3: okay so let me let me just uh, clarify some things for people out there so so uh richard's wife barbara takes a job working for some tax people and we all know tax people that do some things that they probably shouldn't but she's, they're bringing in people and doing their taxes. And apparently, after these people did their taxes, they uh, instead of collecting the fee up front, she arranged for the refund to, to go like uh, one of those uh, rapid refund things. Hey, the refund will be deposited into the tax lady's account. Except for before she actually filed them, she doctored them up. So the refunds were much higher than, than what they would have been. And the people didn't know about it. And she was pocketing the money. Um Barbara had had no involvement or no knowledge of what she was doing at that and uh somehow somehow uh, got tied into something where they called her an accomplice and her employer got 5 years in jail and 4.4 million dollars worth of restitution and uh Barbara was sent to this uh jail in Fort Worth uh 1700 miles away um and uh not the conditions were not good and uh, Richard proceeded to uh, do what he could to try and get some relief. And uh, tell us about your efforts to have her case re-examined. You wrote letters to uh, to Obamas and yes. uh, tell the story.
4: Yeah, well, I I wrote to a number of people, uh, you know, from the warden, the Bureau of Prisons, uh, s- several senators and Congress But I also wrote uh, first to uh, Michelle Obama. And uh, reached out to her. I then uh, did the same as far as her husband, as far as the president, uh, and in both cases, I'd never received as so much as
3: an acknowledgment of my letters.
0: Not even a signed book or anything. Nope. Okay. No. Yeah.
3: Not even that. And when we, re- when we read <laughs> the letters, you're you're very respectful, and uh, and you talk about you. You obviously tried to appeal to Michelle as you know your wife, your wife's a woman. She's disabled. She's a first time offender, and you know the conditions in this in this jail were were not good nutritionally, uh, medical medical uh, treatment, and uh, and it was and, and I read the letter and it was very it was very very touchy feely. Hey, I'm talking to Michelle Obama who cares so much about people, and uh, then your letter to Barack Obama. Uh, you laid it out. You laid it out. Hey, this is what's going on. My wife's in a wheelchair. She's on oxygen 24/7. She's got diabetes. She's got these conditions. These conditions. She's been through all this stuff. She's not getting proper medical treatment. the The way the jails run, she's not. She's not being fed properly because of how they administer her medication and the times of day and, uh, and the conditions of the, of the diet there were, were not conducive to a, to a diabetic or anybody that had her conditions. And, and basically she was just being mistreated and, uh, and you basically played, Hey, help. And you got response of zero. Okay. So January 20th, 2017, Scott and I were hanging out in in Washington, D.C., watching uh, our new president be inaugurated, and uh, you apparently, two weeks later, decided that you're going to write the letter to the new president. That's correct. And what kind of response did you get?
4: Well, the thing is, is that uh, within a few months of me writing to the president, uh, uh, my wife was called into the, uh, her supervisor's office, and uh, the first thing the supervisor said to her, your husband wrote to the president. Uh, she was not at all happy, but the thing is, is at that time, they had been messing around with her as far as her release date. Uh, where initially they started talking about April, then they started talking about uh, June, then they started talking about August, and they kept coming up with different dates almost every other week. Uh, Finally, they told her flat out that uh, because she was disabled and that for the most part, the uh, halfway houses were not uh, uh, ADA compliant, uh, that uh, there was no place to send her. So therefore, she was going to be stuck there until the very end of her uh, term, which would have been October 28th. Now the other factor was the fact that my wife had endometrial cancer at that point and was in need of surgery. So our intent was to try to get her out as early as possible. So the president stepped in uh, and as a result they uh, gave her an early release date uh, of the first week of September instead of the end of October.
3: So she got out a couple months early, but the fact that he actually responded.
4: Well, it's more than that, because the thing is, is that when a couple of days after that particular meeting with her supervisor, I received two phone calls, uh, one from a person with uh, Social Security and then another person with uh, Medicare. And in both instances, they uh, indicated that they had a copy of the letter that I had sent to the president, that the White House had instructed them to work with me to make sure that my wife had her benefits restored as soon as she got home, and that uh, that everything that could possibly be done to make sure that she got in for her surgery as quickly as possible would happen. And I was told that if there were any problems, I was supposed to get back to them and they would take care of that.
3: So. To me, to me, this this story is: Hey, you know what? We have a president that actually, and I and I assume that President Trump doesn't read all his own mail, and it, it probably goes through a filter of people, and then they bring it to bring it to him, and hey, this is something you should look at. And but the fact that Obama, who's the Democrat who cares about everybody didn't respond at all. And Trump, even though it, it took going through a few filters, actually actually did something for, for your wife and got her out of the situation she was in. Um, now you're hoping to raise awareness about situations like here through a cause that you have here locally in the Inland Empire. Tell us about your artwork and what you want to accomplish with it.
4: Right. Well, I'm a fine artist uh, by trade, and uh, I ended up uh, doing a, a, a bust uh, of president trump as a way of saying thank you for his help and at this point uh the clay has been completed uh i'm now looking to raise funds to be able to uh to get it cast in bronze so i can then present it to the president as uh, my way of saying thank you
3: so we have we have the bust here it's a it's a beautiful piece of art um, it's obviously was built as a, as a, uh, it, you put it together as a form to, for it to be bronzed. And there's a bronzing, uh, a bronzing, uh, place in the high desert.
4: Yeah. Hesperia
3: in Hesperia. And they make a plaster cast and then create the bronze, the bronze from your mold. Yes. And how much? How much? How much money do you need to have that done?
0: They're not owned by the left, are they? It's, no, no, no. They suddenly go missing. I'm no. just I'm just
3: saying. And I'm not sure I'm if I'm saying.
0: telling
4: any tales out of out of a school as far as they're concerned, but they are rather uh, conservative oh, in their their politics as well. But uh, uh, yeah, it's thirty five hundred dollars total. The, about roughly three thousand dollars as far as the casting, but I also
3: have to factor in as far as taxes and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so we're trying. So you're trying to raise thirty five hundred dollars. Uh, to have have this uh, have this uh, sculpture uh, set up to be bronze, then you're going to do what with that? As far as the bronze itself, uh-huh.
4: yeah. Well, I'm working with a, a congressman's office right now to see if I can't get an entree into the Oval Office to actually make
3: the presentation as a thank you for for all the for all the help that, that he did received. To, and then uh, and then from there, you may make it uh, available for people that want. Castings of it because this this will be
4: yeah the potential there is to do a limited edition uh, casting of fifty additional bronzes
3: okay so so uh, so rich rich and I were talking about this in my office the other day and I said you know what people need to hear your story and people need to see this you know uh, thirty five hundred dollars is not a not a giant amount and uh, for a few people to put in fifty dollars or a hundred dollars and we should be able to raise this fairly quick. Um, we're putting a picture of the of the casting on my website, and there's also a GoFundMe page. Uh, that's if you go to edhoffman.net and uh, and be generous, be generous. If you can donate twenty bucks, if you can donate a hundred bucks, if you can donate two hundred bucks, let's see if we can raise this in the next week and uh, help uh, help Richard uh, say thank you to uh, to President Trump for uh, for straightening out an injustice that happened to his wife. And uh, we all hope that you know as we see. As we see what Michael Flynn went through, and uh, we this is probably more prominent than we probably ever understand.
0: Yeah, I think I think the the biggest takeaway for me, and I don't know all the particulars of, of your wife's story, but the fact that you do have an administration that is responsive, that actually is reading letters. So if you and I write a letter to the president, and, and again, we're not guaranteed a response, but... There's somebody that are actually reading this stuff. And, and in some cases, there's people who have enough intelligence to transmit to transmit this information to the president. It, it, you know what I mean? It's just kind of cool. It's like the door is open. You know Yeah, what I mean? exactly. Like it's, in your it's, business, in my business, the door is always open. And that's that's pretty cool.
3: You know, it's good. It's good. You know, it's people. People sometimes try to get in touch with me and I have I have some filters so I can actually get some work done but you know the important stuff gets through and we glad to know that that even all the way up to the White House that you know you can actually you can actually reach out and get some response um, again go to edhoffman.net we'll have that link up there uh, today and it will have a picture of the of the uh, of the sculpture and uh, let's see if we can raise 3500 bucks in the next few days uh, Rich any last last uh, comments
4: yeah, you know, I just want to say thank you
3: very much for you know doing this for me, and uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. Hey, God bless America, Rich. Good luck to you. Hey, we're uh, out of time for the first half of the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, commercials, and sports, and we'll be right back with Part 2. Don't go away. welcome back to the part two of the main event my name is Ed Hoffman president of wholesale capital corporation your local direct mortgage lender we don't talk a lot about real estate financing or real estate on the radio uh, on this show because uh, you know some of you guys if you're not in the if you're not in the in the market for it you just might not be uh, interested in listening to it and I find it's just uh, more fun to talk about things that you guys want to hear and what's more, what's more fun to talk about than politics. So, but if you hear someone that uh, sounds like a, he, uh, thinks like you and you want to talk about real estate financing, reverse mortgages, uh, purchasing a new house or refinancing, whatever you want to talk about that has to do with real estate financing. Call me toll free at eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. 2020. That's eight, five, five, six, four, zero, 2020 or WCC loans.com. And I will help you, uh, Help you find whatever you're looking for. So, uh, if you missed the first half, hey, you missed half the show. What's up? Uh, So, but but you don't know that I've got uh, my buddy Scott McAfee here, proprietor Don's Bike. Scotty, welcome back to to part two in the house, Ed. So uh, we got some more fun stuff to talk about. Uh, probably, probably, uh, probably some pretty exciting stuff going on. Uh, so Friday, the Friday deadline, which is today, which is, we're actually recording on Friday. So you know, we we record at the end of the week, so everything's as current as it can be for the weekend show. The Friday deadline to keep the government open resulted in. What it resulted in, in uh, Scotty?
0: Are you talking about a government shutdown, Ed?
3: Uh, well, we don't know yet. Well, but- we don't. We, we don't know. We don't know because Friday, it doesn't look it's not going not to pass the Senate. so I guess we can expect a government shutdown. But uh, in, in talking about it chronologically once again, early in the week it was reported that President Trump was backing off his demands for five billion dollars in border wall funding, which we say, stand your ground. Stand your ground. Stay there. We, you know, there's, there's no compromise here. Trump, be yourself. But by Thursday morning, he was changing his tune after Speaker Ryan and Majority Leader McCarthy met with President on Thursday. They addressed reporters at the White House. Here's Paul Ryan in his uh, final week as a member of Congress.
0: Uh, We just had a very long, productive meeting with the President. Uh, The President informed us that he will not sign the bill that came over from the Senate last evening uh, because of his legitimate concerns for border security. So what we're going to do is go back to the House and work with our members. We want to keep the government open, but we also want to see an agreement that protects the border. We have very serious concerns about securing our border. So the president said he will not sign this bill. So we're going to go back and work on adding border security to this, also keeping the government open because we do want to see an agreement. I just got to say duh. Yeah, I like it when Paul Ryan pretends like he's in favor of this cuz I haven't really heard a whole lot of wall talk about of Paul Ryan for as long as I've seen him up there. Yeah, I think he's uh, trying
3: to uh, he's been trying to uh, position himself for a uh, maybe a, as a as a talk show host on uh cnn or PSN, pms nbc um you know he's not he's not a liberal but he just i just don't think he likes president
0: trump well i don't know yeah I mean, that could be but but also we're talking about on the republican side we are kind of split there's these sort of globalist types that like us involved in foreign wars we'll talk about that in a little bit but like our borders like open or unprotected and then we have the people that are kind of like us they're like look we, we need a freaking wall we need a freaking wall we've needed this for decades and this is the time to like, do or die, basically.
3: Yeah, I like to I like to point out that when people start talking about how presidential uh, Barack Obama was, that hey, he we were ten trillion dollars more in debt today than we were before he took office, and what do we have to show for it? Do we have do we have a, a wall on the southern border or the northern border? No. Do we have uh, uh the uh do we rebuild our military? No, did we? Uh, did we become energy independent? No. You know, he all he did was he he treated the symptoms and didn't address the problem. And you know, the symptoms of any anything wrong in the economy or a problem with the southern border. The the symptoms the the hey, you know, what? we got we got crime, we got unemployment, we got people are hungry. Let's just send them some checks so they can so they can eat. But let's not worry about fixing the problem. Because and the money goes away, you know the the money goes away. People get their paychecks. They they do what they do with it, and then okay, now you need more paychecks the next week. You can't treat problems like that. You got to treat the problem, not the symptom, or else the or else the problem's still there. So uh, here's some more from uh, here's Kevin McCarthy added his comments to that.
1: The president said what the um,
4: what the Senate sent over is just kicking the ball, just kicking it can down the road. We want to solve this problem. We want to make sure we keep the government open, and we're going to work to have that done and get something happening.
0: So the point is that whatever they sent the president had nothing to do with a wall, and that was fig- figured that was something that what the Democrats would take up when- once they take over. Yeah, pretty unlikely, Ed.
3: Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 the same same thing. It's kicking the can down. down the- hey, let's just sign a continuing resolution so we all get to keep our paychecks. And uh, we don't have anybody that uh, has to go home and wait for their paychecks after they take a week off with uh, with no pay, but then they get the back pay as soon as we uh, sign something. You know, it's it has nothing to do with solving a problem. It has the only thing to do is just kicking the can, making everybody feel feel comfortable today.
0: Well, and I got to tell you too, the backlash that I've heard from people in my circles, you know, that were Trump supporters, are like, you know what? If, if he backs off on this, if he backpedals on this, and I've even heard this like rush and a lot of a lot of people on talk radio, a lot of people on Fox. If he backs away from this, he's probably not going to get reelected in 20. I mean, just the anger yep. that you're hearing from people was like, wow. And, and I'm thinking, you know, let, let's see how this thing plays out. Let's be patient. You know, he's he's not a dictator. He can't just wave a magic wand. At the same time, I understand what they're saying, because this was certainly one of Trump's signature things that he ran on. And this has to happen. It's yeah. it's
3: it's it's. it's Amazing to me that out of all the debt that the Democrats are more committed to the Democrat Party than they are to America, that they don't they don't take into account, you know, five, five billion dollars is really, you know, it's a it's a, a rounding error on our budget. It's really not that much. And, you know, hey, we all voted for the, the the fence thing in 2006 and we allocated a gazillion dollars for that. Everybody was for it until it was Trump's idea until, hey, now we're going to do it. Every president in, in our history has said we have to seal the border. We have to have border security and nobody's done anything about it. Trump is about doing th- is getting things done.
0: Well, no, for sure. And, and for those Democrats, too, that want this, obviously they want the votes, Ed. I mean, no big secret there. They're just going to change the demographics of the country so they can stay in power forever. But at the same time, Ed, they don't live around it. They don't live in a community that's been overrun by illegal aliens. Their families haven't been victims of crimes by illegal aliens. Their kids don't go to schools in L.A. that are overwhelmed by illegal aliens. They don't have to sit in emergency rooms all freaking night, packed full of people that don't speak English. That they, they don't deal with this person. They don't live around it. It's not in their community they don't care yep they're uh, and it, it's it's and it's
3: all about keeping their job it's not about doing their job so chuck and nancy made their own remarks on this of course chuck gave one of his trademark dramatic senate floor senate floor announcements on thursday well nancy told reporters that there wouldn't be any votes for the wall because all the republicans had gone home for
2: christmas there are not the votes in the republican house for a wall there are not the votes in the senate for a wall not now not next week not next month or beyond. If Speaker Ryan refuses to put the CR on the floor or President Trump vetoes it, there will be a Trump shutdown, but there will be no wall.
1: By the way, they have a lot of people who are missing or absent here, so they never did have the votes for their wall, but they now don't even have a full complement of members here.
0: Funny thing, she was wrong. Actually, they did have the votes in the House, and they got it through. Didn't have the votes in the Senate, Ed. Um, one of the interesting things Trump tweeted out. You probably didn't see this, but he said uh, he's talking about Mitch McConnell should use the nuke option. I mean, can you do that?
3: Well, I guess they have to. They have to vote. the The nuclear option is uh, is means that hey, we're gonna we're gonna change the rules from 60, 60 to fifty one. Right. But there weren't even some Republicans voted voted against it. Uh, Jeff Flake, for one. Um not sure exactly uh who else didn't, but it sounds like they didn't they were like ten votes short of a hundred anyway, so there must be a lot of people that went home. You know what? I would say, hey, you know what? My senator our senators in California here are Democrats, so we know we can't complain, but if you're listening and you have a Republican senator if you're in another state, because we don't have any here in California, and they went home and didn't support this thing and i would have issues with that i would have i would have some issues with it this has to happen this is non-negotiable and there should be there should be a handful of democrats that can understand this is this is important to america regardless of whether it's a trump victory it's not a trump victory meanwhile uh meanwhile and this 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 will uh anger you i'm looking for the words i can say on uh, on the radio this will this will get your blood blood boiling meanwhile the us state department quietly pledged billion in aid to Central America. And another $4.8 billion in development aid for Southern Mexico in response to the migrant caravan crisis. So let's see. We don't have $5.7 billion for our border, but we have $4.8 billion for Mexico's southern border and $5.8 billion to Central America. Why don't we stop treating the symptoms? Why are we going to send some people down there we're going to send some people down there. they are send some money down there so they could take care of these people. Hey, guess what? We got nothing to show for it when it's done. You hand over the money to, uh, to the Central American countries. You hand over the money to, to Mexico. It's gone. What are they going to do? Well, they say they're going to do this with it. Even if they did that with it. What about America first? According to the joint statement released by the U.S. State Department and Mexico's Department of Foreign, Foreign Relations, the aid is intended to promote better security conditions and job op- job opportunities that will allow Central Americans and Mexicans to remain in their countries and not feel the need to immigrate. Oh, better security thing, better security for them. We don't care about security for us, but we're gonna send eleven. Let's see, four point eight and five point eight. That's eleven billion, almost right. So ten point six billion dollars to them, but we won't spend on our own security. Speaking from Mexican cap- Mexican capital on Wednesday. Mexican Foreign Relations Secretary Marcelo Ibrard said the government came as the, the announcement came as good news, very good news for Mexico. Yeah, I guess.
0: Um, so yeah, so and what was the wall gonna cost, Ed? Like I'm gonna do some basic math here. We just give them ten and a half billion to Mexico and South America. And what was the wall supposed to cost? About half that. About half that. Oh, okay. So we don't have the five billion to pay for our own wall. We're sending ten billion down to Mexico. It's gonna be absolutely squandered, as you said. It's gonna be I mean the governments of Mexico and South a lot of these South American countries are inherently corrupt. I have family in Mexico, I know about it firsthand. Uh, and effectively the logic of this is we're gonna bribe the caravan to not come here. Right. We, we think that giving them money, giving money to dysfunctional governments will make them like functional and people will stay. Uh, the problem is that you can't fix dysfunctional governments and don't even bother wasting. It's a shame. It's, that's a lot of money. There could have been so much good that could have happened. I don't know how this got past Trump's watch, but. Uh, maybe Mexico will take their five billion and give it back to us to pay for the wall. How about yeah, that? I'd be yeah, happy
3: with that. There we go. Yeah. There we go.
0: Okay. You know it's, that way Mexico it, can say they paid for it.
3: And in the spirit of me trying to be kinder and gentler, <laughs> I'm not going to say Democrats are stupid. I'm going to say, hey,
0: does this make
3: sense? If this was you, hey Democrats out there, does this make sense? Would you would you squander your own personal funds? Stupid stuff. Hey, you know what? Uh, I'm really kind of high in debt, and to uh, fix the problem, I'm gonna spend uh, spend all this money on getting me some new credit accounts. Uh, I don't know where that makes sense. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm not gonna call Democrats stupid. So uh, there's there's one major and there's one major foreign policy story this week. The Pentagon and President Trump announced. The U.S. plans to begin withdrawing all troops from uh, Syria. Uh, since 2015, America and our allies have reduced the the ISIS caliphate in Syria down to only two percent of the territory it used to control. About 2,000 troops remain in the northeastern part of the country near the Turkish border. And I think about I think about when we pulled out of Iraq. We had like 25 or 30,000 troops in there, not 2,000. We had 25 or 30, and the the generals and the Iraqi government asked for fifteen, and and Obama said we'll leave fifty five hundred, and uh, they said hey, don't even bother, don't even bother. So the two thousand two thousand troops in the country of Syria are, is kind of insignificant, um, and Syria is not Iraq. So but the decision to withdraw was made by the White House late last week and sent to Secretary of Defense Jim Mattis this week and perhaps not coincidentally Mattis announced on Thursday that he'll retire in February his resignation letter to the president reads because you have the right to have a secre- secretary of defense whose views are better aligned with with yours on these and other subjects I believe it is right for me to step down from my position um I kind of I kind of have mixed feelings you know it's Part of me says, "Hey, leave some, leave somebody there," and part of me says, "Okay, it's uh, maybe, maybe the 2000s is insignificant. We should bring those boys home. Uh, you know, that's 2,000 families that have have you know their 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 sons and and husbands and fathers uh, in a foreign country that maybe we don't even care about. Um, I know I understand the 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 thinking on we want to stay over there and keep ISIS from uh, from re-resurrecting." But, you know, my friend Joey Jones, who uh, who's been on my show several times and uh, and even live in the studio and him and I uh, have, you know, we see eye to eye on most things conservative. And there's a few few times where we differ. And I but I keep my my mind open. And, you know, he's he's got some experiences that I don't in that uh, a. Uh, he was a marine, and uh, he spent uh, nine or ten years in the military. And he gave up uh, both his legs for this country, uh, disarming bombs. He says his 81st bomb that he uh, disarmed, he disarmed uh, manually with his legs. Um, and uh, but he he made these comments on Fox and Friends Thursday uh, on the on the plan to withdraw from Syria
2: we tried this experiment in Iraq and we didn't quite uh work out the way we wanted it to so yes by all means uh president bush declared victory in 2003 and then you know 5 years later on there in a surge well the debate is was that surge necessary five years later had we not put the emphasis on Iraq to support itself. And the same things happened here in Syria. Um, if the reason for having troops in Syria is because we're worried about Iran and Russia, then quite frankly, strategically by the generals we should take that fight to Iran and Russia instead of fighting another proxy war like we did in Vietnam. And so although it's the responsibility and the nature of generals to see um, to see an enemy a threat and want to wanna attack it in its infancy or in its retreat Uh, We understand that, but it's also the responsibility of politicians to see past the X's and O's and see if there's diplomacy and other victories on the horizon. At the end of the day, we may or may not uh, allow ISIS to come back alive if we pull out. But one thing's for sure, we're going to pacify Syria and the region's ability to deal with ISIS if we stay there.
3: I think he's got an interesting perspective. And one of the things 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 that I know is I don't know what President Trump knows.
0: Sure. I mean, he's got access to intelligence information that we don't have. I'm 100% to get the hell out of Syria. I, I don't believe in going there in the first place. Um, to me, it's like when I heard Rex Tillerson at the time, who was in the Trump administration, talking that Assad must go. I'm thinking, wow, this sounds really familiar. Um, you know, just like they said that the guy in Egypt must go and the guy in Libya must go. And as soon as those guys are gone, all hell breaks loose. The Christians are, are slaughtered. Uh, you have hardly any Christian population whatsoever in Iraq now. They did far better under Saddam Hussein. They did far, under, far better under Mubarak in Egypt. They did far better under better under Gaddafi. I mean... So the point is that why are we, why are we there wasting money we don't have and lives? The the most precious thing of all we've got is American lives. So I'm glad we're pulling out. Uh, We killed bin Laden. I'd say these, again, you have governments that are completely dysfunctional, dysfunctional societies. I think if we go in there thinking we're going to fix them up and prop up some kind of like functional government, good luck.
3: And I understand that we have to go over there and, and stop because ISIS is uh well especially since the southern border is open is is open you know how much money is that going to save us by pulling out pulling pulling out of Syria yep I mean as long if if we don't have to, we don't have to worry about the terrorism going on over there if they can't come over here and come in and that's part of the part of the thing of the wall is to make it make to secure our southern borders because it's right now they just walk on over and even though it's oh well it's not like that it's not like that well it actually it is. And in a wall, will a wall solve all the problems? No, the wall won't solve the problems, but it sure make it a lot easier to to enforce enforce the border with less people and less ongoing ongoing. Uh, it's kind of like putting a, a kiosk in McDonald's. Hey, will it replace all the kids there that that work? No, but it'll make it a lot easier for to run the whole restaurant with uh, with five people instead of twenty five people by doing that. And it's a and it's a one time cost. And uh the the wall will be one time cost. I mean, I'm sure there'll be repairs to be done and there'll be some upkeep, but you know, the big five billion dollars gonna be one time. And I don't even know if five billion will be enough to do it, but that gives a, a big portion of it. And um I don't you know, I just don't I just don't know that Syria Syria is really a... really, you know, what what did that what did Trump call those places?
0: Uh, <laughs> I can't say it on the air if that's uh, what you're talking about. I
3: think they call them uh, blank holes uh excrement holes okay okay and that's what Syria is you know they you know it's we're not committed to to changing their government any of that stuff so maybe we should get out and i'm not positive that that's my my final answer on my opinion there but you know what i what i love about joey is he he always changes changes my perspective and say hmm i hadn't thought of it that way and uh and he comes from a position of of experience he's been there so i i i I give him the respect of what he what he says and and uh, a lot of times he turns my perspective around. Sometimes he doesn't cuz he's about 31, I'm 57, so there's some di- some things he's I've done that he hasn't, but there's stuff that he hasn't that he's done that I haven't. So uh let's talk about some celebrity stuff. We got about 5 minutes left. Let's talk about some some lighter stuff and uh, maybe not so light stuff. Uh celebrity comments this year this week, we we'll talk about a couple celebrity clips. First, soon to be Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, which I guess she's in a celebrity now cuz
0: A.K.A. Bubble Ice.
3: Yeah, exactly. So sure. she's she, everybody's everybody's going gonkers over her 'cause mm. she's she's so inspirational. The socialist <laughs> that just do everything the way way I say it. Well, it'll be just fine. What was the thing she said? We're gonna solve global warming and it's gonna stop racism or something.
0: I try not uh, to pay too much attention. Ed,
3: we're gonna we're gonna start calling this calling this. Uh, we'll try to uh, every time she says something stupid. I mean something uh something uh uh just millennialish. Uh, Alexandria's crazy corner. We'll call it, we'll call it that cuz it seems like every week there's something else we can add in there. Um in the final week before her uh, before the 29-year-old Democratic Socialist becomes a sitting member of Congress, Ocasio-Cortez used the Instagram and Twitter to announce to the world that she's headed for upstate New York to sit in the middle of nowhere and devote her last week as a private citizen to self-care.
4: Hello everybody. I am starting A week of self-care where I am taking the week off and taking care of
3: me. I don't know how to do that, though. So I I would appreciate any and all self-care tips.
0: She sounds like she's eating. Because
3: sometimes people are like, top 10 tips for
4: self-care. Go to Cancun. I'm like, is it a face mask? I just don't understand.
3: Yeah, she doesn't understand much of anything, does she?
0: She sounds really self absorbed. And by the way, her first thing of do the first thing she's doing is she's ta- she's already taking a break. She hasn't yeah. even started yet, Ed. And and, and <laughs> she hasn't done anything oh, yet. Wait, the
3: first thing she did before that was say, Hey, I don't have the money to move to Washington DC to oh. start my job. So uh Okay.
0: I'm sure she crowdfunded that.
3: Uh probably. And and probably there's enough d- dummy dummies that voted for her oh. or that just think she's cute. This is so that sad. Will, that will send her money. So God. You know, hey Everybody go online and send me some money for something. Ah, I'm not that cute, apparently. So uh, now some more enlightened commentary from actual celebrity, John Voight. John Voight was on Mark Levin's show. He was talking about his evolution into uh, being a liberal and then being a Trump supporter. And he ended with, with uh, this comment about Donald Trump.
1: I met someone on the plane flying... To, to, to make this appointment with you. A friend of mine is conservative, a woman, uh, actress, very good one. And I said, so what do you think about our man? And she just did this. That wasn't, that's, that's me crying. It was her. too. Why you cr- saying, because it's so, first, first of all, the gesture was so beautiful. She couldn't even speak. She's just saying, thank God. And I say, thank God. And one of the reasons why I can say thank God is because I, I, I know he's there, you know, for us all. God. And that's one of the things that we've lost is this compass of God. We have, what did Karl Marx come up with? He he eliminated God from the picture. So we can do it without this. Mm -hmm. Not these boys, not our guys. You know, they knew very well. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. That they are endowed by our creator. That we are endowed with certain inalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness.
3: Yep, uh, God in our life. Let's remember as we uh, celebrate Christmas uh, this next few days, uh, the reason for the season. Everybody have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Uh, Scott, you're going to solo for me next week while I'm uh, enjoying my uh, 22nd anniversary with my wife in Mammoth skiing. It's going to be fun. So everybody, Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening to the main event for the last 11 years. My name's Ed Hoffman, and I won't be back with you next week, but Scott will all be here the week after.
0: The views expressed on this program are of Ed Hoffman and invited guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate. Broker license number 01147747, NMLS 9873, and California Finance Lenders License number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions. MB number 0937346.